0: We're going to talk about blueberry some. Um, um, maybe we can have a, a quick word of prayer first, that the Holy Spirit will be with us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for the Ad conference we are able to attend. Please send the Holy Spirit on the whole conference and may this be a blessing and give the information needed to all who come here. And thank you in Jesus' name. I pray, Amen okay so um we've been my parents started a blueberry nursery i guess when i was a baby so it was about 20 or a little over 20 years ago and we've been growing blueberries ever since this is when we were a little younger a few years ago with my brother and sisters so we're going to in this class we only have an hour, so we're going to have to go over things pretty quickly, but we'll co- do an overview of blueberries, cover, talk about the species, site selection, planting, fertilization. Um, I'm sorry, it looks like there's a typo here. I'm not very good with this stuff. But then we're going to do irrigation. If you, any of you brought uh, printed out the handout, I think I changed the order of a couple things. Uh, a little, but then there's we're gonna do pruning, pest and disease, harvest, and frost protection. I guess that's where it messed up. It sorry about the typo. So blueberries, they're a Vaccinium species in the Ericaceae family. They're native to North America. So the most the three most common species are rabbit eye. They're the Vaccinium vergatum, They're native to the deep south, and they requ- they grow in like zones three to I mean sorry seven to eight. You might be able to six B. They'll probably still do all right. Some in and they require around four to twelve, four to eight hundred. Chilling hours. Then the high bush or northern high bush. They are they're what's grown like up in Michigan, and they um, grow from zones three to seven. And they but they require more chilling hours. They're um, they require they take like eight hundred to twelve hundred plus chilling hours. Now the Rabbit eyes are the easiest bush there are to grow. So if you can grow rabbit eyes, those are the ones you want to grow. And then the southern high bush, they grow zone 7 to 10. And they require 150 to 900 chilling hours. There are, I think there are a few blueberries that will grow without any chilling hours. I don't know much about that though. So, this was the, um, Gerard Kure, he was a retired professor from University of Georgia. He said, a su- the southern highbush is a plant looking for a place to die. So, if the rabbit eyes, he was telling this to rabbit eye growers, the rabbit eyes are much easier to grow. So then a couple some things you might want to consider about, I have a list here of things you might want to consider about variety selection and it depends if you're if you're just growing them for your backyard some of these things might not be as critical if you're selling them they need to be attractive looking so there's you want to make sure the stems detach and there's not too much cracking a dry skin stem scars very important to prevent post harvest rot a firm berry is is important for good storage also and you want of course you want good flavor disease resistance which we've been we've never had any trouble with much disease other than mummyberry and some I'll talk about that a little later some of them some but some varieties get it worse than others so that's important to consider and then for marketability, it's important to have a powdery, light looking berry. If it's a dark berry, people don't, it's not what people want. Uh-huh. So, you want a, a size, and then you want bushes that are survive easy enough, and ripens the right time. You want, might want to consider pollination. You need cross-pollination for the between the different varieties for the plants, for the blueberries to get good production. So here's just a, a few um, a few standard rabbit eye, rabbit eye varieties. We've grown, I have some experience with the, the Premier, Climax, Brightwell, Tiff Blue. The Powder Blue, I just planted some, but I've I don't have much experience. Then there's some newer varieties. Um, then here's a few um, high bush, which we haven't grown, so I can't get, tell you mu- much about them. And the southern high bush. Will we have access to these slides later? I think so. I think they, they will. Hand up, like to yeah. I don't know. i'm yeah, I'm sorry, we, I don't know if you got the email, but Adegger sent out an email with a link to get the handouts, to print them out beforehand. I don't know if anyone did that, but um, I think you can probably go on afterward. So what, there's different plans you can get. The most common you'll be getting is one like this. A container grown. It's called a two year plant. It's not quite two years old but that's what it is. So you'll get them, you want to plant them into winter time. Typically it's done in February. So you get a plant it'll be just about like this. You can also get bare root plants which are are not they're not they're all right but they're not done as commonly you want to make sure they're virus free though so you want to get them from a reputable source i'm afraid this isn't showing up quite like i i'm afraid i'm not very good with computers sorry but it's not showing um, there's different ones like blueberry ring spot and What's different which know this plant we haven't had any trouble with viruses um, the uh, so I'm not that I don't have much experience with viruses but if you get it from a state inspected nursery like the state comes out every year and inspects our nursery and it should you should be getting a good plant from them. They look for um, bad diseases and viruses that could be a problem. So what makes a good blueberry site? You want you want it sunny. Um, well drained soil is very important. If you don't have well drained soil, like a heavy clay soil, you'll need to amend with pine bark and make build raised beds to um, like you might want them 18 inches two feet wide depending on how maybe four to six inches high depending on what your drainage is like. Um, High organic matter is very important for blueberries and you need the soil needs to be suitable and it's important to have a supply of water for irrigation. So site preparation, you want to till it and amend it first. <laughs> and <laughs> to do it. what was that? To do it. <laughs> yeah, well, wh- this is a patch we just put in earlier this winter. So you we disked it up. You want to the soil here is very very well drained it's got high organic matter it's really a very good spot for blueberries so we didn't do any raised beds we put a little pine bark in the holes but we didn't it it already had like a five percent organic matter (coughs) so you want to test and amend the soil take care of any weed issues Make raised beds if you don't have very good drainage and add organic matter especially if it's if you definitely need to add if it's below three percent. So then now blueberries are typically grown at a low pH in an acid soil. That's then uh, they t- grown pH of 4.5 to 5.3. But the main the main issue with is if you have a higher pH is uh, iron chlorosis, iron deficiency, because you can see on this char- the chart here that iron is more available at a low pH. Also, uh, I haven't done a whole lot of research on this, so. I can't. I can. I know growing them at a low pH works, and uh, but I don't know that that's ideal. We actually we limed our blueberry patch and amended it so for a, a more neutral pH. But blueberries they don't have a very good root system. They re- they rely a lot on the associations with the fungi and to help take up the minerals and what my understanding is that at a typically at a lower pH the fungi grow more I don't know the I don't know all the reasons why but you have more bacteria at a higher pH but the fungi is important for taking up the minerals but I know of people that grow them at a high pH and they do alright. And we limed our blueberry patch this last spring, so far it's still looking great. So then planting. When you plant when you plant your bush, you'll have it in a pot like this. You want to take, let me try not to make a mess here, and you want to pull the roots apart. This one here, it's a fairly young bush, the roots are still fairly loose, but you don't want it to crown, so you want to kind of just pull the roots apart like that. And you just stick it in the hole. too much of a mess here. So you want to have your soil well worked up before you plant them. You don't want, if you have like perennial weeds or something, some major weeds, you want to make sure they're, you don't want like Johnson grass growing up in your patch afterward. could be very cha- very challenging to get rid of after you establish the plants. It's already challenging enough to get rid of before. Then after you plant them you have weed control to deal with. So there's different methods. You can grow them in plastic mulch in you can mulch with like sawdust. Something I forgot to mention earlier: when you're when you plant your bushes, you can use pine bark to incorporate in the soil. You never want to incorporate fresh sawdust in the soil; that will tie up your nitrogen. You can incorporate pine bark is great. It's what's most commonly used. Peat moss is always great. is also great, but it's fairly expensive. Pine needles okay. Um, you, I don't think you would want to incorporate those in the soil. You can; they're great for mulching with on top afterward. I wouldn't put those; mix them with the soil. You can incorporate sawdust if it's very thoroughly rotted, so it should be black before you. It should be totally black before you. Incorporate that in the soil. So then, you, yeah, you can mulch with. If you could hold your questions to the end for the recording it would be better and just remember you can write them down and ask me later. So you can mulch with pine needles, um, pine bark, you can use fresh like wood chips. If your power company chips makes chips around you can use those, those are great. They don't, where we live they just normally push the brush off into the side so we can't get chips. Um, Another thing that I'm I'm planning to start doing more in our blueberries is growing cover crops. That will help um, maintain a high organic matter and so we have this right here I'm thinking to grow cover crops. You can crimp them down or roll them with something. You could also mow but when you mow it helps encourage weeds to, the weeds tend to come up more. So this here is a crimper. You can roll roll down your cover crop. No, I'm, then we can no-till in more cover crop. And I've, I don't, I've don't think there's a whole lot of information on it out there but then another way that's common is just to grow do sod in your walkways and bare ground under your bushes which having bare ground is if you can avoid it it's better too. So then for blueberries nitrogen is important well it's important for all plants for the, especially for the chlorophyll, nucleic acids, and proteins. So, how much do you need? The first year you plant them bushes in February, then the first year would will be the next spring. So, like at bud break, you want to f- split your application. Put half the fertilizer on. You can divide it in more than two applications but you want to at least do it in two applications. So the first year you want like 54 pounds of nitrogen per acre and that's counting on 1210 plants per acre. You can, um, If you're doing less than an acre you can just divide it by 1210. So the first year 54 pounds you want to um, so you you want to put half of it on at bud break when they're just starting to break dormancy. Then the next, then the other half about six weeks later. And typically in Tennessee where we live, we say not to fertilize after the fourth of July because you don't want to fertilize too late or you'll encourage late season growth that will die back when the winter hits. Then the second year you want to give them a pretty good dose to um, to get the bushes growing good so like maybe 90 pounds of nitrogen, that's actual nitrogen so you have to see, depends on your source if you're using something like urea it's 46% nitrogen you would, you would um, you can divide 90 by 0.46 and that's how much urea you would be adding. I think for, I'm not real familiar with organic sources of nitrogen that are suitable for blueberries but I think there's some out there. For the fourth year and beyond, it, the rabbit eye don't need as much as the, like the southern highbush but so 68 to 100 pounds. Um, and uh, another thing on on the nitrogen, the blueberry plants, they lack nitrate reductase activity. so they can only utilize ammonium forms of nitrogen. So like urea, ammonium sulfate, those are ammonium forms. blueberries do very well on them. The nitrate, they can't really use the nitrate forms of nitrogen, so you want to, if you're going to have a, if you're going to use nitrate, if you're going to use a nitrogen source you want to make sure you know what it is. Um, And as far as manure goes, blueberries don't do good with Having manure put on them, so we've we've always just used like the urea they do great with it and irrigation irrigation is very important for blueberries they need they need plenty of water typically drip irrigation is used they use overhead some but it uses a lot more water so uh, drip is what I recommend, and I'm. It's I don't have a system in here to show you, but I have drip irrigation materials. Maybe at the exhibits, I might. If you're interested, I can show you how a system works, and then some common pests. Who all has heard of the spotted wing drosophila? Okay, so a few of you have, it's a new pest that came over from Japan in 2008, and it's a fruit fly. Most fruit flies, they lay their eggs in like rotting fruit, and they're not really a problem. They might be a little annoying if you forget to take the garbage out or something, but they're not a problem but these uh, fruit flies you can um these spotted wing drosophila they have i don't know if you can see here but on this picture the female she has a heavily serrated ovipositor that she saws into the ripe fruit of like blueberries strawberries a lot of different fruits and lays her eggs in there the eggs hatch and the grubs grow in them and the, they, the life cycle is somewhere around 15 to 30 days, I think. It's very rapid. So you'll have multiple generations in one season. I'm oh, sorry. So um, there are a number of ways to control them. You can... As far as organic insecticides go, we have used, and it's quite commonly used, Entrust or Spinosad. It's quite effective, but you don't want to use it more than three times in a season to prevent um, pesticide resistance. With the rapid growth cycle, it's easy to develop resistance to the pesticides. So, you can alternate with things like Pyganic. This last summer I used grandivo, But, I'm really trying to get away from these insecticides. Because, and that's the thing about with the organic insecticides, most of them are very broad spectrum, so they kill everything. They kill your beneficials and your... They kill the bad ones, but they also kill a lot of your beneficials. So, there are new problems developing in blueberry production from the use of since the spotted wing drosophila came along because of the increased use of pesticides. So, um, uh, other other there's are other controls that you can do some cultural controls. I don't know how effective they are but they can help and also different varieties get them worse. I forgot to mention it earlier but Centurion, a variety we grow, it's a very good variety. It has a firm berry and we have seen a lot lower trouble with inf- with the spotted ring drosophila in it. I think they prefer the softer berry like Premier, it has a very soft berry and they get the SWDs spotted wing Drosophila very bad also pruning is important the flies desiccate very easily in warm dry te- weather when it's hot and dry in the sun so if you have a dense bush the you'll you can look and you can see a lot of the flies flying around in the bottom and in the damp, they like it where it's cooler. So, if you prune your bush so the sunlight and air can easily flow all the way through the bush, it may have um, it may have some benefit to the for the uh, controlling the spotted wing drosophila. so another pest that we've had or a problem we've had a fair amount of trouble with is mummy berry has anyone had any trouble with that they it's this is what it looks like your berries we've lost probably 75 80 or more percent of our crop the last couple of years to it so here it is you can see um, well, in the sp- in the spring, the spores land on the. It's a. I guess it, I'm th- I'm, f- I'm not sure if I'm using quite the proper terms, but it's a two-stage infection. The spores, asospores, first land on the green tips and sometimes on the flower shoots. They um, they grow on it. They it blights them. And then they fo- they form a canidia on there, another spore, which is sweet. I guess it makes them, it's like sweet. So it attracts the bees and pollinators, which carry it to the flowers. Then it infects the flowers. And typically you won't see any problem till near harvest. We had, this last spring, we had a very severe infection. So... We had they a lot of the berries fell off early on, so the the, bear, the berries they shrivel up, they turn kind of a salmon color, they fall off, and they stay on the ground all winter long. Then in the spring they grow up the apothecia out of the out of the. Mummy that's overwintered and the cycle starts again. So, the last couple of springs we've had a very wet and kind of mild Februarys, which temperatures from like 40 to 60 degrees are very, and wet weather really promotes the growth of the mummy berry. It really makes the apothecia grow and the the spores um, blow away. So, you can... There aren't very many... There aren't many organic pesticides you can use on it. We haven't had any success spraying anything. They say that um, Serenade Max, it's a bacteria and they... Um, it's, it can have a fair protection for it. You have to spray multiple times starting at green tip when the shoots first start coming out through bloom. But another way, if you can break the cycle somewhere, that will, you can end it. So if you can completely bury all the mummies with like two inches deep, you, sh- you can end it. But you can stop the disease. But if you don't get, if you leave a few, it'll get going, it'll, it doesn't take very, it takes like over 99%. You have to remove over 99% to, to um, stop the disease. That yeah, you can cover it with mulch, with dirt. If you can break them up, that will work. We haven't so far we haven't had good success controlling it, but we will can, we're continuing to try, and hopefully we can get it under control. If we can get it taken care of for a couple of years, it likely will not be a problem again. We've grown blueberries. <clears throat> well, we've grown blueberries for quite a while, and well, pretty much all my life. And we never had any trouble with it till recently. So, uh, hopefully, we can get it taken care of. Then, for as when harvest comes, something else to consider is when you harvest is post-harvest rot. So, um. A very important thing to prevent post-harvest drought is to pick your berries dry. If you pick them dry, you can see here on the on this chart, they did a study and when they pe- picked the berries dry in when they were dry, they waited for the field to dry out. They didn't they didn't sort them. They sorted them as they picked them and put them straight into. Con- the con- clean containers, after seven days at 70 degrees, they only had 1.5% rot, which is pretty good. Then when they sorted them but kept them dry, it wasn't so, they harvested then sorted them, the rot went up some. When they were harvested wet and sorted, they, the rot went up quite a bit to 8.2%. When they picked them into contaminated containers, it was, they were pretty much all rotten. So when you harvest, you want to, in North Carolina where they grow a lot of blueberries, they wait for the fields to dry all the way out before they start harvesting. So I have some information here about frost protection. We have done it some. Did anyone print out the the handout i that was on the website i guess nobody did okay yeah you can look it up the the way frost the way frost protection oh the way frost protection works is when water freezes it releases heat it's called the latent heat of fusion and um, it releases every gram of water that freezes releases 80 calories of heat so as long as you have water freezing and clear ice forming on the on the on your plant it's protected from the cold so there's I have some you can look look up this PowerPoint later and I have some information on here you want you need a system make sure your system is adequate if to you need to make sure you have plenty of water you need to be able to do it for several nights in a row I don't know if anyone here remembers the Easter spring of 2007 we had in I don't know I don't know what, how, if they had any problem out here, but in like, Tennessee and the southeast, we had a very early spring. The trees all leafed out. All the blueberries were blooming. Everything was um, growing out. Then in about the end of March or um, beginning of April, we had... I think it was four or five nights where it was well below freezing every night and everything turned black. In North Carolina where they grow a lot of blueberries they lost about half the crop and only the, only the growers that had enough water supply to irrigate their blueberries for four or five nights every night in a row were able to protect, save their crop. So you need to make sure you have the right sprinklers. Impact sprinklers are typically using, used. We use wobblers. Um, they work fine. You ne- need to make sure that you have a high enough flow. You need to make sure your pipes are good. You get enough water coming to it. You need to make, make sure your system is uh, be- when you're expecting a freeze during bloom you need to make sure your system is all in good working order. They're not clogged or anything. So when do you need to protect your uh, frost protect your blueberries? If you look on the handout I put up on the website it has some different growth stages so when they're in full bloom the flowers will freeze, are damaged at 28 to 30 degrees. So if it's not going to get below that, if you're not expecting it to get to below that, you don't need to protect. You need to make sure you start your system soon enough and make sure and don't stop it too soon. So what happens if you you need to be careful that you have your system, everything, all your ends met. If you don't do it properly it can be very damaging. When water if you don't aren't, don't have enough water freezing on it you'll get what's called the um, the negative um, latent heat of vaporization so the ice vaporizes and that takes up to like five or six hundred calories. Uh, it does like five or six hundred calories of cooling for every gram of water that's vaporized. So I don't know if you can see the picture very well. It's not very clear but it'll just kill your shoots all back. It's, it, it's not good. And that can be if it's too windy, you didn't have enough water, you started it too late or stopped it too soon, you ran out of water, the, your system failed. So now we're going to get into pruning some. For pruning blueberries, you'll need mostly what you'll use is a good pair of loppers. These aren't very great. Felco will make some real good ones. They're not real cheap though. You'll need your loppers a lot. You'll also need a pair of pruners. You won't use them much, but it's good to have a pair on hand. So, why do you need to prune if you, these two shoots here in this picture, the one on the left um, is, they're both taken from the same bush on the same day, the one on the left is a year, well the one on the right is a year older than the one on the left. So you want to prune off that wood before it gets on the one on the right, you only have a few very small berries. So, this is we're going to follow this shoot for about three years in the in mid midsummer and spring, midsummer, summer, and into the late summer. You'll have a shoot grow up, it'll form. You can in the red, there it's initiates the flower buds, then in the fall, it dies back the next spring. It, it'll bloom, make fruit. It'll also send out some side laterals. You'll get some nice large berries then it will die, the shoot will die back. The side laterals will make all make fruit the next year. They'll make a lot of fruit. They'll be a little smaller but you'll still have good production. And those will also send out more side laterals if you don't prune it off your fruit will be like that. You'll have a few small berries, very little production. So now we're going to cover some, we'll just have to go through this quickly. When you plant your bush in year one you want to take it and prune off, prune it off about like that and just leave a few shoots sticking up. <laughs> that yeah, that's when you plant it. Wow. Uh, so, you prune them back. You want to prune them back heavily to encourage new shoot growth from the bottom to make a nice bush. In um So in year 1 you prune it back. Year year 2, by year 2 it'll in February again it, it will have grown out, made quite a few flower buds. So you want to prune almost all the flower buds off. If you had real good growth the first year you can leave a few flower buds and get a little fruit that year. So prune the flower, prune it, but you want to prune it back quite heavily still. By year three it's capable of producing a heavy crop, a a significant crop. You still want to prune about fifty percent of the flower buds off. So prune it down quite a bit and so that's more what it would be like after you prune it. Um, so pruning bushes we want to start at the bottom you want to narrow the base. You you don't want your bush to, uh, if, uh, with the bush a blueberry If it's not pruned, it's just fertilized and taken care of, it'll fill up. It'll get huge. So you want to, you need a manageable size bush. So you want to narrow the base, remove crossovers and low angle, angled canes, and remove some of the oldest canes. You want to start, take, make fewer big cuts. You don't want to have to make a whole bunch of small cuts. If you cut off the top of the bush, you encourage the bush to go taller. You wanna cut at the bottom. And then you can head back and thin selectively. You wanna thin out about 30% of the blossoms every year. This media was brought to you by AudioVerse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about AudioVerse,